In our first lesson from Genesis, we learn of Jacob, who had tricked his brother and his father into giving him the birthright and blessing reserved for his elder brother. In this passage, we hear of Jacob being tricked by his father-in-law, or father of his beloved, Laban, into working a full 14 years to finally have the marriage he wanted. It's an interesting story of a trickster's trickery that gets a comeuppance. And it is also interesting because the marriage of two siblings to the same man was forbidden as incest by the laws of Leviticus. But it has little theological import other than that it falls between Jacob's two significant experiences of God. The first we learned of last week, Jacob's dream of a ladder reaching to heaven with angels ascending and descending. And the second event came many years later when he struggled all night with an angel and in the end wrested from his holy adversary a blessing and a new name, that of Israel. Our psalm speaks of the benison of offspring and was appointed for this Sunday because Jacob had 12 sons by his two wives and their two serving maids. Those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. It's also worthy of note that Jacob had one daughter by Leah named Dinah or Dina, whose story is little known, but if read, gives an astonishing glimpse into the life of women at that time. It's also the subject of a popular novel, an excellent midrash or amplification of the story titled The Red Tent by Anita Diamante. Our epistle demonstrates the deserved status of greatness that is attributed to the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to Rome. The apostle speaks of human suffering, notably suffering so deep as to render one speechless, and he writes of the Spirit of God interceding for us in such times with sighs too deep for words size of compassion and understanding. He goes on to speak of the Christ event as that which shows us God's deep love for us. God's love is shown in the person and life of Jesus, and when we are enveloped in Christ's love, we are safe in the sphere of that divine love. And then he asks, what could separate us from such love? In that place, surrounded by the love of Christ, nothing here below or anything above, and he lists them, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a text of great assurance and comfort, one to carry and count on, in times of suffering. It has consoled many in the past and continues to offer comfort today. Our gospel lesson is a series of six parables, that unusual form of speech and literature which Jesus used to teach. It has more in common with poetry than it does with prose. A parable is, in fact, an extended metaphor. The theologian Sally McFaig, in her book Speaking in Parables, says that metaphor is embodied language and mirrors the unity of body and soul, outer and inner, familiar and unfamiliar, 
known and unknown. It makes connections, sees resemblances, brings things together, and leaves us wondering at possibilities. She explains that parables in all metaphorical language have the unusual quality of both expressing and communicating simultaneously. Glossolalia, or speaking in tongues, expresses, but it does not communicate because the hearer cannot understand what's being said. Logical or very conceptual speech communicates, but is not highly expressive. Only metaphorical language, because it sets the familiar in a new context, does both. It can express more than the familiar, and yet at the same time communicates, since it uses terms known to us. In today's Gospel from Matthew, Jesus gives us six parables for the kingdom of heaven. Please note that the kingdom of heaven does not refer to paradise or the afterlife, but rather means living under the sovereignty of God here and now. It is God living among us, between us, within us. It is God in the life of a community. Let's look at these parables to see what they tell us about the nature of the reign of God. First, Jesus tells us that the reign of God is like a mustard seed that somebody took and sowed in a field. It is a tiny seed, but when it's grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds make nests in its branches. In the Middle East, there are mustard plants that grow much larger than those in this area. In this parable, Jesus tells us that the reign of God grows. It grows from very tiny things, like a smile, a caring word, a cup of water on a hot day. The image of many birds nesting in a single tree is an ancient image of peace and harmony. So a speck of seed can have far-reaching results. The reign of God can grow. Second, the reign of God is like yeast that is mixed in flour until all is leavened. Leaven, like anything that ferments, also grows. Often yeast was used as a metaphor for the spread of evil, but Jesus uses it for the spread of the goodness of God's reign. Like leaven, good can also work in secret, but eventually the work becomes apparent and changes everything. So the reign of God not only grows, but can transform and work in secret. Third, the reign of God is like a treasure hidden in a field that someone found and then sold everything to buy that field. Here we are told that the reign of God is immensely valuable, so much so that one would give all they had to possess it. It is all that the heart desires, but it is often hidden in an unsuspected place. When it is found, it causes great joy, and the finder makes it their sole object to obtain it or to keep it. Try to imagine selling all you have to obtain just one thing. Jesus makes it clear that the reign of God is the most important thing one could possess. Fourth, Jesus tells us that the reign of God is like a merchant who searches for fine pearls and finding one of great value sells everything to buy that pearl. 
In this parable, while we might initially think the reign of God is like the pearl, actually, the reign of God is like the merchant who sells all for the one pearl. So here we learn that the reign of God is searching for treasure and is willing to sell all to obtain one jewel of great value. The reign of God is looking for a treasure. The fifth parable is that of a dragnet. Jesus says the reign of God is like a net thrown into the sea and gathering up fish of every kind. When full, it is dragged ashore and the fish are sorted, the good fish put into baskets and the bad thrown out. So in this parable, we learn that the reign of God will catch us all, bring us in for judgment, and we will be sorted. The reign of God will ultimately be our judge. Finally, in the sixth parable, the disciples are told that every scribe who has been trained in the reign of God is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Since the evangelist Matthew was a scribe, we might see this parable for those of us who convey and interpret the reign of God. We are to bring to the task that which is new and that which is old. As I reflected on that, I thought of my 33 years as a priest and the congregations I've served, as well as this particular congregation and the life here. As with all seasoned in the ordained ministry, our years of experience enrich our ministry, and we draw from that treasure what is old and bring it forward as we live into each new day. The central message of these parables and of each of our lessons today is that God responds to us, using our gifts and teaching us with images we can understand, and yet which cause us to reflect on our lives and our relationship with God anew. This is a spiritual universe, and the search for God, or our own life's meaning, is a reciprocal one. God is longing for us just as we are longing for God. We are searching for God, and God is searching for us, and the reign of God is the place where we meet. You are both the seeker and the pearl of great price. If you remember nothing else of what I have said this morning, remember this. You are the pearl of great price. You're being sought by God who is ready to pay whatever is required to bring you into the reign of God. And not just you, but the person next to you and the one that gets on your nerves and your own true love. And so what have we learned about God's reign? It is growing and rising. It is hidden and being found. It is being sought and seeking us out. It is the means by which we will all be judged. It is here among us now, as close to you as last night's dream and this morning's prayer. God is reaching out to us in more ways than we can know. For each one of us is the heart's desire, the treasure, the pearl of great price in the eyes of God. Let us pray that we may find and be found by God. Amen.